Well, hello, Alyssa. How are you? Good evening. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And I'm excited about this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails because we have the fabulous Christy Wong with us. Hey, nobody said anything about cocktails. I brought one. Wait a minute. (laughs) We always talk about cocktails. What are you talking about? I left mine upstairs. I forgot to grab it, but um, that's okay. I can get a cocktail afterwards. That sounds great. I think I'm actually doing enough for both of us. It's fine. Awesome. So I met Christy um, a couple of years ago, I guess, at Oshkosh, but of course I had um, heard of her, met her, sort of, I would say met online, started following her, I believe on Instagram, it's at Pilot Christy. Is that right? Yes. She has a huge presence on um, social media and love watching all her flying and seeing what she's been doing. So I'm excited to hear her story. Thank you for having me. You yeah, are welcome. You so, much. Uh, so Christy, how did you actually get into aviation? I mean, we'll just start from the beginning. Like, did, were you raised in it? Like what, what what's your story? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I was not raised, <laughs> I was not raised in aviation. Um, but it was very influential to me, uh, from a young age. Um, my grandfather uh, flew helicopters in the army and he actually got me interested in it when um, I was really little. I was about three or four years old um, when he started introducing me to aviation and I thought, oh, that's cool. And it's a shame because he really wanted me to get into uh, helicopters like he was then, but uh, I did not want anything to do with helicopters. <laughs> um I was really interested in airplanes and he actually got me this little book. And I mean, I don't know what it was. It was just the aesthetic of airplanes that I loved. Um, But I grew up in a really poor family and we couldn't afford anything. And so um, not only that, but you know, when I was growing up there, there was a lot of um, misconceptions about how to become a pilot. I always thought you had to go into the military. Actually, um, funny enough, I thought about going into the Air Force when I was a teenager, but um, I actually wound up getting pregnant with my daughter at a pretty young age. And so that kind of set everything on, on hold. Um, you know, I, uh, I just never, <clears throat> I, mean, I never like let that dream die. I got to a point where I could finally afford flight training and I looked into it really seriously a few years ago and decided, you know what? um, let's go for it. And so that's when, um, I talked to Steve about it and he agreed to be my CFI. And so we joined the flying club and he, uh, he taught me how to fly. That's wow. really awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So did you go to college? And, and if you did, did you, what did you study or what was <laughs> your path after high school? If it yep. wasn't aviation. <clears throat> So I did go to college. Um, I actually got degrees in general studies, uh, education with a science emphasis, and then medical biochemistry. Wow. Okay. And then you were how old when you actually started flying? You started your flying class. 34. Okay. I love love it. I absolutely (laughs) love it. It's just, I think we're all in that same boat where, you know, like maybe, you know, Natalie kind of grew up around aviation a little bit more than I did, but helicopters kind of got me sparked, but we both, you know, did it later in life and after our careers or college and that kind of thing. And I think it's super crazy to, um, we're very unique in that aspect that you started this trip later in life. 
Yeah, no, I, and once I made that determination or that decision, I was determined. It was like, all right, yeah. I'm doing this. Nothing's stopping me. I'm going to go. And, and I did like, it was like somebody just let me loose. And I just like over the last, you know, four years have gotten all these ratings and, and everything. Um, yeah. And I, I just haven't stopped. I keep going. Yeah. yeah. I think what we're, is your... we're very similar in that aspect. Uh, you know, once you get bitten by the bug, you kind of just, you're all in and you don't really want to stop and it kind of becomes your life, but, but you love that. You know, you yeah. Life. Yeah. So you are CFI. Like what are all your ratings? What, what is your, your wheelhouse here? I am a CFI, CFII, MEI, ATP. Uh, I am type rated in the Embraer 175. I've got SIC type ratings in the Citation 500 series and the Lear 45. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. A jet. <laughs> yeah. Jet. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> yep. awesome. Um, I'm actually really fortunate because I've been able to try both, you know, I've been able to do, um, you know, instructing corporate flying and, uh, you know, I'm going back to the airline now. So, so were you kind of put on hold? What was your story with the airlines? I feel like you got on and then did COVID kind of mess that up and yep. Yeah. So started with American Eagle. Um, I actually, uh, I, I got on last year. I was in the very last training class before they shut everything down. Wow. And so we weren't sure what was going to happen. We were like, oh my God, or were they going to, because in some of the other regionals um, that some of my friends were at, um, they were in training and their airlines actually sent everybody home. Oh, and wow. so I was terrified that that was going to happen to me. Like, oh my gosh, here I am. You're finally like, there. You yeah. Know, it, finally here. Um, to my airline's credit, they did not send us home. They got us through training. So wow. I was able wow. to get done with my check ride, which gave me my, um, ATP and my type rating in the 175. Okay. But then after that, you know, it got so bad, um, you know, May, June, July of last year, they ground, I mean, myself, as well as several classes ahead of mine, we were all grounded basically, mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, we just sat there and waited wow. and then they told us, yeah, we're, we're not putting anybody else through IOE right now. Everybody's just kind of, you know, hanging out. Don't call us. We'll call you. Cause if you know me, you know, I was calling them at least twice a week, you know, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> but yeah. So then, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, what we didn't want to have happen last year happened. And that was on October 1st when that first stimulus uh, package ran out, they furloughed us. Hmm. And so 227 of us at my airline, um, were furloughed immediately. And, uh, we, we've been slowly recalled. We're being recalled currently. The first class started at the beginning of May of this year, um, and I actually in the last class to go through, cause I was the last class that went through, you know, last year mm -hmm. and, uh, we go through, um, July 26th is when my class starts. So okay. back in training during the week of Osh. Yeah. Oh, oh, bummer. Bummer. Well, I'm excited for you, but bummed that we won't. Get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a, what a like exciting factor that is like, womp, womp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. 
I, and you know, it's funny, I've talked to Dan Milliken, my co-host about it, and he wants to try to incorporate some of the stuff like while I'm in my hotel room or whatever, like yeah. just, you know, like Christy updates and whatnot as I go through training. So I'm going to talk this next week and see how we can make that happen. So what are you talking about when you say your co-host Dan? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, this is probably one of the most uh, fun stories I think about me how I accidentally became a YouTube celebrity. Um, <laughs> accidentally. <clears throat> so I'm telling you, so I was a student pilot. Um, I had started garnering like, a, I want to say notoriety um, within the North Texas aviator community. Um, I got really involved in the flying club. Really. I just wanted to help people. I mean, guys, here I was 34, 35. I just got my private pilot certificate. I was so excited to be in aviation. Like this was my entire lifelong dream of wanting to fly airplanes. And here I was, so I'm super excited. And I guess that excitement was kind of rubbing off on people. And one of those people that noticed was Dan Milliken. Dan actually runs his own production company. Um, that's what he does, uh, for like his day job. Um, he does a lot of corporate type videos and stuff. And he was just starting this channel called taking off. And he reached out to me and he's like, I was, I had gotten my instrument rating and I was working on my commercial single. And he was like, Hey, I'd really like you to come on the show. Um, I think you'd be a really, you know, positive presence. And I was like three weeks away from my check ride. So I was like, sure, whatever, man. So I go up and do this episode with them. And we actually had a really good time. And we had some, we had really good chemistry together yeah. on camera, but I was super focused and super nervous because, you know, I was getting ready for the big one, right? The commercial check ride. And, um, after we filmed that episode, he reached, he actually told me, he's like, if you pass your commercial check ride, I will hire you for your first job as a commercial pilot. I'll pay you. $200 and we'll go fly. We'll go do some aerial photography for a client of mine. And I'm like, sure, whatever, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, he, he kept his word. I passed my check ride and he reached out to me and he's like, I want to be your first paying gig. And so, um, he did, we went flying and I, I did, um, the aerial survey for him and he paid me. He was my first, you know, paid employer or whatever, yeah. you know, even though it was just a little contract thing. And so, he reached back out to me a couple weeks later. He's like, Hey, Oh, I've been wanting to do this show called in a hangar and I want you to be my co-host. And again, I'm working on my multi-commercial at this point, And I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever, where are we filming this? Your mom's basement? Like, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, we sat down, he kind of threw together some ideas. He's like, yeah, um, basically just show up, um, you know, wear the leggings because every, you know, everybody on North, North Texas Aviator recognize you from the sectional leggings, blah, 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 whatever. So I show up to the studio and it's like a legitimate thing, like a studio, like Natalie, you've been there, yeah. you know, yeah. like I showed up that first time and I was like, oh, okay. Oh I my no goodness. Clue. Yeah. I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing, but, um, we, so what we did was it was, um, that first season was a shot over two days. We filmed like 20 something episodes over two days. And every six months, basically, that's what we did. Um, and it's gotten progressively better um, with each one. Um, we've definitely learned through each one. We've gotten sponsors. Um, we're actually, you know, driving in revenue. Um, you know, so that helps us pay for, for the show. We, we're able to pay for the crew and, and everything now. Um, we've been doing it for 
oh my gosh, three years now. Yeah. Um, and so we do a segment called taking off. So that's like, um, you know, we do like the little mini studio shoots, the little news rants that Dan likes, um, in the cockpit type, you know, like on the scene. And then we do another segment called in the hangar. And that's where we bring in really awesome guests like Natalie and we bring them on and we interview them actually in the studio. And that is, like I said, no, you've been there. It's, it's crazy. It's it really is. like, it's legit. Like, all right, guys, we're, I mean, it's, it's like back to back to back. All right. Wardrobe changes go come back. We need you on set in you know, five minutes and all right, who am I interviewing next? Okay, great. Who is this person again? Okay. Like, and there's this, um, balance between, I want to know about this person before they come on the show, but I don't want to know too much. Mm -hmm. Um, cause you don't want to like steal your thunder. Dan has yeah. a phrase for it. I, I forgot what he calls it, but like, it's like, you don't want to burn your candle or yeah, burn out right. your light or something. Yeah, and so right. like, I've learned to kind of like balance it. Like, okay, this is Natalie. She's, you know, um, you know, fly girl. She does this, and this but don't, don't learn anything else about her, Yeah, you yeah. know, because you want to know just enough to grab the audience, but you want to learn about everything else. Like, you know, during your conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing Dan critiques me on is, um, you know, he, I, I very, um, focused when I'm doing the shows and stuff. And there've been a couple of episodes where he apparently kept the cameras rolling and I didn't realize it. And so I was basically myself and they turned out to be really good episodes. And <laughs> <he's> <laughs> like, you got, you gotta be yourself. Like just talk to these people. And like, but I get very like, almost like not so focused. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like I need to yeah. be a journalist now or something, you know, and step into this mode. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, the thing is, uh, um, the reason why I do it is because I've been given this really unique platform. Like I didn't ask for this, but you know, my whole thought process behind it was, you know what, I'm going to do something good with this. So I jokingly tell people I use my powers for good. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I try to help people like we brought on a scholarship student to help him get his private pilot certificate through our flying club. Mm. Um, we try to help other um, organizations like Operation Airdrop or, you know, Pilots and Paws. We, um, I try to use my platform, my voice to help others. Because um, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, it's not like I need a lot of help, but I was in a position once upon a time as a young 19 year old mom where I did need help. Nobody does anything alone. And I've been given help along my lifetime, you know, and so my goal now is to kind of give back to other people and give that yeah. to them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think in aviation, you really need some support because it's tough and it's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a long process. There's a lot of steps to kind of get to, to where you want to go typically. Oh man, it's brutal. It's heartbreaking sometimes. I mean, man, I know my story seems cake compared to some of the stories that I've seen out there. But I remember getting my multi-commercial back in 2018. Um, you know, just the heartbreak of I'm ready for my check ride, but um, the airplane kept breaking down or I'm ready for my check ride, but now the weather is bad. I'm ready for my check ride, yeah. but now the DPE is not available. Just stupid stuff like that. And, you know, I was fortunate. I say I was fortunate. Let me back that up. I have to say this. I wasn't fortunate. I was calculated. I, I saved up and I was like smart. I waited, you know, I, I 
I'm really, really, really big on that because I see a lot of people, you know, they're reaching out for help, especially financially. And I mean, once upon a, I actually started my aviation journey in 2007. A lot of people don't realize that, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't afford it. So you know what? I waited until I could, um, you know, and I, I'm just a firm believer that if you work hard for it, it'll eventually happen. And that's what I did. I mean, it took me almost 10 more years before I could really, truly start training, you know, to be able to afford it and everything, you know? And so it wasn't fortune. It was like, I, I just, I was determined. It was Mm -hmm. determination, you know, but I, I see these people, you know, they, they get, ahead a little bit and then they fall behind, you know, with yep. their finances or they yeah. worse, they lose their medical or, you know, they, they run into, you know, situations like familial situations, you know, stuff that they just can't work around those. That's heartbreaking to me. Cause there's really not a lot you can do to help people with that, you know? Yeah. 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 It, it is. You do have to be calculated. I think when I started, um, it was more about eliminating a lot of the other things in my life in order to have time to do it. Yes. I could not add anything else unless I eliminated some things. So let me tell you guys, one of the things that I really struggled with, um, you know, as my, my reputation and stuff grew, I realized how easy it was to pick up haters, (laughs) you know, and just how insensitive and really mean people can be on the internet, especially people that there were people that I thought were my friends that, I would turn around and they just get so ugly to me. And I just, I couldn't understand why that was. And, um, I would get comments from people like, Oh, must be nice. You know? And I thought to myself, wow, that is so cold. I mean, do you guys not realize what I've sacrificed to get to this point? And do you would not through. realize Yeah. I, I sacrificed a social life. You know, I, there were times, I mean, I didn't go on a family vacation for like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, every time there, the sun was shining and the airplane was available, I was flying, mm-hmm. you know, it was, uh, there it, were times yeah. I was awake at five 30 in the morning, pulling yeah. the airplane out of the hangar to go time build or go, um, you know, train yeah. and people just don't get it. Nothing was ever handed to me. I worked really hard Absolutely. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think people I have this misconception. That... Sorry, go ahead, Alyssa. I think people have this misconception, especially being female, that like we've somehow just had everything handed to us on a silver platter. And the reality of it is that we all have worked through the same ratings, the same things. And it did cost us money, no matter where that money came from. But, you know, we either work hard, we save that money, we calculated everything, and we had the grit to get through it. And, you know, we have such different stories in our training and, you know, whether it's 61 or 141 or like all of these different things, but you still had to put the work in and, you know, coming from a poor background or, you know, those kinds of things, like it's, you know, I, I, I wasn't raised with a lot of money, but yes, I'm a pilot. Like it's what you're focused on and what you make a priority. And I think people just on the computer can be very harsh and, and not see your past and they just see what they see online and see that, Oh, she's flying airplanes. She must have all this money and she must just have it all together. When in reality, we're like working three jobs and being up at 3am and, you know, doing all of these things. And yeah, I drive a, I drive a 2004 Honda pilot that I affectionately named Rhonda, the Honda, 
but it, like I've owned that car and it's been paid off for years and years and years. I, in 2017, it was like, do I buy a new car? Do I buy an airplane? And you know what I mean? So like I made personal sacrifices and personal choices. So I've still got Rhonda the Honda that I love and adore my little hail dented Honda pilot. Um, but I also own a fabulous little Piper Warrior because I was able to take the money that I would have otherwise spent on a new car and buy an airplane with it, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, it's all about those choices. I see, I've got friends of mine that I've seen make choices. They, they choose yeah. to do other things in lieu of flight training or whatever. And then they want to get persnickety with me because I've gotten ahead, but mm -hmm. that was my choice. You made your choice, right. you know? Yeah. Well, and even I think you're, yeah, you're a warrior. I believe you have in like a flying club, uh, and like a lease back mm -hmm. kind of opportunity. Yeah. So people don't realize that those opportunities are out there. And so it's kind of probably helping you pay for the maintenance or helping with something to be able to afford the airplane and be able to, you know, fly yourself. It does. It helps offset the cost of ownership, but yeah. there's, it, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, I right. have to share my stuff. But at the same time, it allows me the opportunity to own an airplane. So it's like, again, it's all about sacrifices and, and the choices that you make in life. That's it. Yeah. True. True. Online community can be, can be rough. I just always try to think uh, they don't know my backstory, you know, if they say anything and to try not to take it personally, they have their own issues and everybody's right. got issues and that they're dealing with and maybe they're taking it out on me that day whatever yeah um, yeah so you know i don't know i think that's uh, a you know a true story of, like testament of their personality and not you at all you know and i've had to learn that over the years especially and you know there's going to be those haters but you just kind of have to let it roll off and i just kill them back with kindness because yeah, it, it exactly. does me no good to get ugly back i yeah. just yeah you know, really like my, my, my standard response is normally like, dude, you could use a hug or something like that. Yeah, you know? Right. Exactly. I like yeah. the thumbs up method. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I am curious. Um, we've had a couple of other pilots on that, um, have gone to the airlines, but you know, I've never really asked like specifically what is involved in the training to become an airline pilot? Okay. Um, so when you first go into training, um, you go through a week of what's called indoc indoctrination. Uh, that's where on day one, you get to choose your equipment, AKA the airplane you'll be flying and the base that you'll be based at. So last year when I went through training, um, based on my seniority, I was able to hold the Embraer 175 based in Chicago. And so that first week is all just company in doc stuff, you know, policies, procedures, just, you know, stuff that applies to everybody, no matter what base or fleet you're on. And then after that, you get split up into your, your groups where, um, you'll be training with people who are on the same fleet as you are. So then you start ground school and ground schools anywhere between, you know, two to four weeks. And, um, just depending on where you're, you're at in seniority. And then they give you days off in between as well. Um, but it's, I mean, it's pretty strict though. Like you got stuff you've got to study for. Um, you've got like a knowledge validation, you've got systems 
tests that you have to take and everything, you're, you're basically learning the airplane from the inside out Mm -hmm. because as a pilot, obviously, I mean, you're up there. If something goes wrong, you're the one that's got to diagnose it, fix it, get it to the ground safely, you know, et cetera. And then, um, once we get done with the ground portion and we pass that section of it, then they send you to simulator training. And that's usually like 10 sessions. Um, they're four hours each. So it's, yeah. Um, and you're usually with a sim partner. And so they usually will, I say focus, they'll, they'll focus on both of you during the, you know, entirety of the four hours, but you'll train for two hours, take a quick break, train for another two hours. There's a, um, there's a, a pre, um, like brief uh, section, and then you do your post debrief afterward, Mm -hmm. um, usually with each one. And then at the end of those sessions, you'll do, um, typically like a check ride, a maneuvers validation, and then you'll do, (laughs) excuse me, like line experience check ride. And so basically you're taking off from gate to gate in the simulator. They give you a flight plan and they're like, here, go fly this flight plan. And then you'll go from like airport A to B and then from B to C, but then somewhere along the way, something goes wrong. And yeah, yeah, there's an issue and you need to work together as a crew. So like, it's literally a ride or die scenario. You ride as a crew, you die as a crew, you know? Mm -hmm. And cause that's the way it's going to be in real life. Yeah. So it's really, really important that you have a good, um, uh, like a really good rapport with your sim partner. Yeah. I would really pick your sim partner. Not exactly. You, you basically choose your, um, sim time based on your, what your seniority can hold. And then, um, you and your sim part, there's two per, you know, um, slot. So like if you're, you know, DFW at 10 AM and there's two of those slots available, it's just whichever two people choose that. Okay. <coughs> what if Excuse your me. sim partner is like terrible? It's been known to happen. <laughs> I got really lucky. I got really lucky last year because my sim partner and I, man, we hit it off right away. We were both like, oh my gosh. And it turns out that we had a lot of friends in common. We, we didn't know each other before then, but, um, we had a lot of friends in common and so we just, we clicked. And so we were, I mean, we, we'd study together. That was, a, that's a big part of it too. Is, you know, you've got a built-in study buddy, basically. Yeah. Um, I've heard horror stories of people who sim partners didn't want to study, didn't care. They were doing an upgrade. They, you know, and they were kind of left in the lurch, you know, they were, they were kind of there by themselves. Um, you know, and my advice for anybody, if you're ever in that situation is just, um, make sure that you're communicating with the, um, with the sim instructors, you know, I mean, make sure you're, you're communicating with the, the training managers and whatnot so that they know that you're, you know, you're basically doing this on your own. Cause realistically you shouldn't be doing it on your own. You're, you've got a partner for a reason. Right. Yeah. So tell me you, you live in, in, in Texas where like Dallas area or yeah, DFW. Okay. So when you say you chose your base to be Chicago, like, how does that work? Um, it was the, I mean, it was the only thing that was available, uh, last year. So Chicago is typically a very junior base for my airline when you first come on. And then, um, what you do, I mean, you're, so I'll be commuting, you know, um, chances are I'll be based in Chicago again, uh, when I go back here in a couple of weeks, but, uh, you just commute and then every couple months or so they do, um, vacancies and displacements. So they basically will say, ah, there's, 
60 DFW openings. And so you can bid for it. You yeah. can bid, you know, people will bid to transfer. And then based on seniority. Mm -hmm. So that would be exactly. ideal, but you wind up back in DFW at some point. Oh yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping I'm back in the next six months. So, yeah. but until then I get, I get to commute to Chicago. Yeah. The great thing though about Chicago is that there's a ton of flights between DFW yeah. and there. So it's, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I mean, commuting is never great, um, but there, it could be so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago should be pretty easy to get to, especially from DFW. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got you know, American, um, spirit, you've even got Southwest that will go, you know, to Chicago, worst case scenario, there's a bunch of different options. So yeah. I, I'm not too terribly, terribly worried about it. So I'm are you last. going through all the training all over again, or because you'd already passed, passed the check ride, you Nope. Unfortunately, okay. the minute they furloughed us, we were obligated to go back through long-term training again. Mm -hmm. So the good news is that um, a lot of my classmates that are already in training right now, they've all said that um, it's definitely a lot less stressful the second time around yeah. because you know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. I wow. think that's the hardest thing with, with any of this training is that you never really know what to expect until you're there in the moment. And then once you get through it, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. But like, remember, you know, you're just the panic before training. Yeah. Like you, you just never knew, like I, until I'd done a check ride, I never knew what to expect on a check ride, you know? Right. Yeah. And each one's so unique. You know, you never know what they're going to ask you to do. It's just exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like the fear of the unknown. It just like haunts your brain and like fills you with all of these terrors. So oh, oh check ride Zilla easily a week before every check ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when I saw you not too long ago, you weren't really sure what route you were going to take. And the airlines was something that was kind of in the back of your mind, but I know you've done some other flying. So tell me, you know, after you, I guess, what was your path after you were CFI and you got to that 1500 hours, I guess, or maybe you didn't and you got some other gigs. What no, so yeah. Um, I honestly, you're right. I wasn't sure for a long time, really what I wanted to do. You know, it's funny in the back of my mind, I always wanted to go to the airlines. Um, the question was just, how do I get there? Um, cause there's multiple paths that you can take. So what I did, I had a couple of really close friends of mine that I was very fortunate to have. They sat me down when I was, you know, having this like existential crisis, like, what do I do? Which, which pathway do I go? Do I go to this 135 carrier? Do I, you know, fly corporate part 91? What, you know, how do I get there? And so like my friend Marcus told me, he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I think I'd eventually like to get to Southwest or American. Those were always my top two, you know, choices. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay, well, let's work backwards from that then you know, how, what, what is the logistical pathway to get there and then kind of work your way backwards. Let's see what'll help you get there. And long story short, I decided to do, um, I decided to go the regional route. Um, so 121, you know, via regionals, because it was going to get me there quicker. Um, and it was going to get me the experience that I needed. Plus the airline that I went to has got a float program, um, to American. And so, um, at the end of the day, it's like, uh, uh, you know, I've got this flow path where I literally can, once my seniority number comes up, I can flow to American, you know, mm -hmm. from my regional carrier. Yeah. And uh, in addition to that, I was actually able to start at around 950 hours. 
because okay. I did the cadet program with the regional okay. carrier. Okay. So they, they have a program where if you're a CFI, you can actually join and you start working for one of their affiliate flight schools. And that's how you build your time. But in the meanwhile, you accrue vacation time, sick time, you get paid through them, wow. you, you know, get healthcare, you get flight benefits. So you're basically, you know, an employee of the airline. And you're not a starving um, and then, CFI. Well, sort of, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but what actually made it even better was that um, I had higher seniority in my in-doc class to choose my, my base and my, my equipment. Okay. So out of 24 people, I was number six. I mean, that right there was worth it. Yeah. yeah. Totally and completely. Plus I, you know, until that point, like I had been flight instructing, but it wasn't like a full-time gig for me. I actually did it backwards. I was a corporate pilot before I was a CFI. Okay. And so, yeah, so I'd been doing a lot of corporate flying and, um, this actually forced me to get in. And I mean, immediately like several hundred hours over six months, you know, I was flying a hundred hours a month, yeah. you know, flight instructing. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. But, um, so it made me a better pilot. I had a great time doing it. I had got some fantastic students. I taught the uh, Chinese students. Hmm. So um, for their program, I made some fantastic lifelong friends with them. I still keep in touch with a couple of them. They're yeah. actually going through their airline training right now. Okay. Wow. So, and sending wow. That's going to be so and, fulfilling to have that and like to help oh other gosh. people and bringing them up. And I think that's the best part about being a CFI is just being able to see that progress and, you know see where they go. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, he sends me pictures once every couple of weeks of him. It's actually him. He and one of my other students, they're actually sim partners together. So oh, they send me pictures. Awesome. I know. I thought that was really cool. So wow. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. And, um, so we keep in, in touch and, um, they were really sad of course, when I got furloughed, but like now we're actually going back through training together. You know, it's crazy though. They're going on an Airbus, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I train these guys and you guys are Airbus pilots. Yeah. They, they really don't have like regional carriers over there though. So it's either okay. like 737 or Airbus. And then after a while they can move up to like the bigger airplanes, like the triple sevens and, and what. Wow. Wow. So tell me about corporate <laughs> flying. I mean, what, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? What, what made you not want to stay in that area? Um, Okay. So let me preface by saying that ultimately my goal was to get to the airlines just because, I mean, it's hard to beat the flight benefits with the airlines, the 401k, the retirement, you know, et cetera. I can always go back to corporate flying after I retire because mm -hmm. there's no like, you know, maximum age, like there is in 121. So there's that. <clears throat> I have had overwhelmingly good, um, uh, success with corporate flying, just the people that I've flown with. I have had a couple of instances where being a female was actually pretty terrible. Um, mm. uh, just being honest. Uh, it didn't, you know, it's funny. Cause like, you never want to believe that it happens until it happens to you. And then you're like, ah, you know, I've had, uh, instances where guys didn't want to fly with me because they, they didn't think their wives would appreciate it, even though I'm 100%, you know, professional. Uh, professional. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I've been turned down for jobs because just because I was a female and because the captain of that plane, he had a bad experience with a female prior. And so he just refuses to fly with females anymore. 
Um, I've had um, uh, guy owners of the airplane that didn't feel comfortable having a young female pilot. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just all sorts of weird stuff like that, you know, you, yeah. yeah. And like you go in and but yet we have everything given to us on a platter, right? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> my friend, Heather, it drives her mad when people say stuff like, oh, you're a female, you can get in whatever. She's like, being a female has not helped me one time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was still furloughed just like, you know, I mean, yeah. Cause like in the air, I mean, especially in airlines, like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, black, white female, male, you know, it doesn't matter. You are a seniority number. And that's the best thing about the airlines. But the worst thing about the airlines is that you're just a seniority number. Um, you know, in the corporate world, a lot, you have to hustle, you know, a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, especially when you're flying part 91 contract stuff. Um, it's very insurance driven, um, insurance companies come in and it doesn't matter. The FAA is like, yeah, dude, you're solid. You're, you're good. But the insurance is like, well, no, we want you to have, you know, <clears throat> this amount of time and this kind of airplane with this kind of, you know, whatever. And it's like, dude, I've got time in like this airplane. That's almost identical to it. And they're like, no, no, no. We want you to have time in this particular serial, you know, and it's just, it's really heartbreaking. Like there've been times where I got a, I got a gig through word of mouth and I was like, all right, let's fly. And then two out literally like show up to the airport. Yeah. Showed up to the airport. And the guy was like, sorry, you didn't get approved on the insurance. I'm like, I drove all the way down here, you know? Um, because I didn't have the, you know, 5,000 multi-time or whatever that they were looking for. So, you know, and it's crazy too, because a lot of times, like you ask them, well, what do you want me to have? Like, what do you need us to have in order to fly this plane? And the insurance was like, we don't know. Just fill out the insurance form and we'll get back to you. I mean, it, ha- it what does that even mean? Yeah. Exactly. No, it's so dumb. But, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, I was able, you know, I, I, but I will say, like I said, um, I had a lot of really, really great experiences overwhelmingly on the corporate side. Um, the citation that I get to, that I've been flying pretty regularly since I got furloughed, they're a wonderful family and the captain I fly with is amazing. And, um, I learned a lot. I call the citation, like the perfect starter jet. It's such a fun, easy airplane to fly. It's, it's a perfect airplane to get in and, and get some jet time and really build up your skill set. Um, I've been really, really, really fortunate. Um, cause I know that not everybody's been given those opportunities, but at the end of the day, yeah. I want, you know, when something happens economically or whatever, the flight department, the airplane is the first to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. That happened to Steve. I mean, that's why Steve got out of aviation in 2011. Um, <clears throat> it's like here today, gone tomorrow, yeah. you know, and at least with the airlines, yeah, airlines come and go, but you know, there's a little bit more stability there. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> it takes a little while and you can kind of see it coming somewhat, probably more so than with the the corporate, you know, if they have any financial issues, then the plane and that kind of travel is the first thing to go. Exactly. And you never know until it tells the day of. Yeah. yeah. It's gone. And, and, you know, from working for a jet sales brokerage company for a little while, I kind of realized how often that happens because, you know, the pilots could not know a single thing. And, you know, I was calling up owners and being like, you know, Hey, you want to sell your jet? And they'd be like, Oh, I'd consider it, you know? And, 
And like the pilots yeah. have no idea, you yeah. know, it just could be like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to yeah. change this up. Steve, you know? Steve landed one night and was called into the office the next day. Wow. wow. You know, it's just, and that's what I'm saying. Like it literally happens just like that, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's like, to me, that kind of instability. I mean, that's, that's why people say like this, this, um, industry will break your heart. You know, it, it, yeah. it gives, it gives and it taketh away. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, true. So what did you, um, you became a CFI, did you pretty much quickly, I mean, go through your writings, private instrument, commercial, multi CFI, CFII, or did you have like some breaks there or how was your whole, um, all your, ed all your training and education throughout? Um, I was pretty much one to the next. Uh, when I made the determination to start flying, let's see, it was like every five to six months I was getting a new rating. I was yeah. also working full-time. So I was an allergy specialist working for an allergy company. Okay. Um, and uh, when I made the decision to start flying, I mean, let's see, Steve started training me at the end of February of 2017. I had my private pilot July of 2017. I got my instrument December of 2017. Um, the airplane went down. I started training for commercial. I actually did take about a month off because the airplane went down for annual and so um that and the bad weather and stuff usually january february ish you know but i had my single commercial july of 2018 um two months later in february of 18 that's when i got my multi-commercial i started flying corporate pretty quickly and then three months later in december of 2018 is when i got my cfi and then like i said i was flying corporate a lot um and I wanted to get my CFII, but I was working, like I was flying so much. I was flying a jet. Um, I was flying a Bonanza. Um, but I finally did in May of 2019 is when I got my double I. And then that's when I decided to go to the cadet program. Yeah. And then um, actually that's where I, I stopped basically after that. Uh, I only just got my MEI last week. <laughs> so oh, it yeah, had been I, thought I saw that actually. I was like, I feel like she just got that not that long ago. I did. Yeah. I wasn't going to get it. And then, um, it's actually kind of a funny story. So Krista Morrison from the, uh, girls in flight training, mm -hmm. she had asked me if I would be part of a calendar. And so I submitted a photo and she put on there, Christy Wong, ATP, CFI, double I, MEI. And I went, whoa, hey, um, she published it. They sold it. They made, you know, everything. They raised money for scholarships. And I was yeah. like, hey, this is a great calendar, except I'm not an MEI. And yeah. she was like, oh, well, now you have to get it. <laughs> like, well, That's okay funny. then. Exactly. And then um, I actually applied for a scholarship at the beginning of this year, which I didn't get. And then I was kind of like, well do I want to get it? And then I was peer pressured by a couple of friends. And at the end of the day, I decided to go ahead and get it. Cause I, th I thought, you know, you just never know. I might be able to use this. Yeah, um, right. It yeah. might just be resume fodder for now, but that's okay. Um, yeah. I could yeah. also utilize it to help somebody in the future. So You're that's why I got it. Best forward. And I think that's way important. And like having that drive just proves to you that you didn't just get there on accident, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, I'm bored. I might as well. No, I'm just well, more training. <laughs> never, never hurts. Right. Never exactly. Hurts. It, it absolutely. It had been a minute since I had flown a, a twin piston. Actually, I've been 
flying turboprops and jets, but I had not been in a twin piston, God, in like two years or longer than that, I think. So it was fun getting back up in it, you know, felt like riding yeah. a bicycle. Yeah. Awesome. So you have a plane, but it sounds like you do a lot of flying for work. When do you have time to fly your own plane for fun? Are oh you? gosh, <laughs> I do. Um, well, right now she's still down for annual right now. I'm getting a couple of big ticket items done. I need to get the wing walk done, redone on it and stuff. And I'm getting the rudder reskin. So those are kind of big things, but, um, yeah, I mean, shoot, if the airplane were up, I would have ran out today and gone and flown her. It was a beautiful day out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just whenever I get the chance, I'll, yeah. I'll go grab the airplane and drag her out of the hangar. So you have a, I know you have a son and you mentioned having a daughter. Do either one of them like to fly? They have any kind of dreams of, of getting into aviation? So my daughter, Emily is, uh, she's expressed some interest, but for her, at least right now, it's not interest enough to exert the effort for it. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of letting her find her own way. She's 19. She'll figure it out. Okay. You know, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just letting her live her life and figure out her own way. And, right. um, yeah, she'll be fine. She's, you know, she's got a good head on her shoulders. Um, Mitchell, who just turned nine years old is not interested in flying at all right now. Um, he's very, very timid and very like, you know, so he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like turbulence. He doesn't like going up. He doesn't like coming down. He definitely doesn't like stalls. So uh, yeah. I'm hoping, wow. yeah, I'm hoping that in a few years he'll, he'll get used to it. But usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll fold up like little um, storage blankets on the seat, yeah. I stick him in the left seat and then I fly from the right seat and I let him go flying. Yeah. <laughs> and then he That's goes fun. and tells all his little friends that he's a pilot. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I think inspiring, so inspiring yeah. kids, but not like pushing them into something is like, huge. right. And you have to know when to like, just let them do their own thing. Yeah. Like the opportunity is there. Like I, I tell yeah. Emily, Hey, I mean, it's crazy. Like your mom is a CFI and I just <laughs> kind of a big deal happen to own an airplane, Yeah, you know? So she knows that it's there, but I also think that's kind of like the enticement. She knows that it's always there. It's always there. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So she's not that's really true. like, like, I don't know if it were me, obviously. And I had that opportunity. I'd jump on it. I know because I did. Right. But I can't, can't you know speak on her behalf she's got to be the one that comes to it otherwise she's just going to be one of these kids that gets pushed through and she'll never truly appreciate yeah, it that's the one right. thing I don't want I mean my thing is would I like for her to learn how to fly absolutely I think that flying is more than just confidence and esteem and everything else um there's a lot that comes with it but more than just learning how to fly, I want her to enjoy it and appreciate it. And she's not going to get that if I push her. Yeah, that's absolutely. True. I have similar, my older son was always interested in flying when he was a kid. He's 21 now. And I'm like, you know, I could teach you to fly. I, I'm a CFI. And, you know, it's like, you can, you have access to the flying, but I'm not going to force him. And, and he has to have some kind of skin in the game somewhat, you know? Exactly. Um, He's got to want to work for it. Cause I can't just, you know, hand, I just it can't hand it to him and yeah, he's got to actually want it and work for it. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, cool. So what do you have to say? Tell everybody where they can find you on your yeah. on your show, the YouTube show and on all the social media places. Uh, you can find us on uh, YouTube at www.youtube.com forward slash taking off. Um, you can also find me uh, on Instagram at Pilot Christie. Um, I'm around Facebook as well, but honestly, I've uh, the, my Facebook is more locked down. You can my Instagram's open though, so anybody can go follow that. Yeah, I love Instagram. It's my favorite. It's yeah. the easiest I feel like. <laughs> yeah, so easy absolutely yeah. it's less drama than facebook i've learned. oh totally yes yeah. definitely like just show so, me pictures yes I just show pictures me pictures of airplanes. exactly yes. everything no drama happy stuff <laughs> exactly yeah. well thank you so much for coming on and we can't wait to watch the channel and see what's coming next and yeah we just yeah. want to thank you for coming yeah, i'm excited out. for you and your your airline uh yeah. journey too i keep hear all about that and see um kind of, kind of how that plays out and who knows maybe i'll be an airline pilot one day we'll see that would be great <laughs> you can come be my sim partner awesome <laughs> wouldn't that be a who all of us being sim partners i know <laughs> we probably wouldn't get a lot of work done maybe. probably not we have to focus <laughs> when we shenanigans yeah all right thank you so much christy you have anything else you want to say before we say good night Thank you guys so much for having me on. It's always a blast talking with you all. Um, next time you're in town, uh, definitely we need to get together. Yeah, Maybe absolutely. I won't be in Alaska next time. Yes, <laughs> I was so sad. I'm like, how am I in Dallas and you are gone? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, we didn't even think we were going to get on and we wound up getting the last two seats available on the airplane. So wow. it just worked out. Um, yeah. But yeah, next time for sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, well, thank you we so wish much. Best for you always, and thank you so much for coming on. I don't have a cocktail, so I can't really do the no. cheers thing. Cheers. <laughs> well, thank you guys cheers. for coming to Cockpits and Cocktails. Follow us on all the avenues: YouTube, um, wherever you like to listen to Apple Podcasts, whatever. And uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. 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 <laughs>